welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Is it working? Can you see me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Is it, is it, it's working all right then? Yeah. Sorry. Oh, you know, 33 minutes. No, listen, it's really a little, not a concern a at all. It's, it, it is stressful, but it's, uh, but this, I, I don't know. Going live is like, I don't know. It's just, it's well, a considering different we, we practiced it yesterday. I don't know. Well, and the funny thing is that it worked flawlessly yesterday that yeah. there were no hiccups or anything in the week previous. It was literally two hours of trying to get it set up, and it was a total nightmare. Um, even during the show, it was really glitchy and a mess. So uh, I don't know. Maybe that's something I have to investigate on my end to see what's going on. But but listen, thanks so much for sticking in there. I really, really appreciate you doing that. And, oh, uh, my gosh. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you here. Uh, so let's, let's jump into this. And I'd love to have you just kind of like introduce yourself who are you? Where do you teach? Or like, what do you teach? That kind of thing. So I am uh, 12 years into this second career, actually. Um, I teach third grade, but so my first career was being a stay at home mom. And then uh, went back to school when my girls went to school. Uh, and uh, so I, you know, volunteered in the classroom and thought I, I could do this. And so I went back to school. They got to see me graduate. They were in fifth grade when they saw me graduate, which was pretty special. Um, and then I went right into teaching special ed. And um, I taught special ed. I taught learning support for eight years and absolutely loved it. Um, the only reason, actually, that I switched from special ed to regular ed was because uh, the trend in education, obviously, is to have the kids stay in the classroom. And I wanted to be with my kids. I wanted to be with them where they were going to learn the most. And so an opportunity presented itself. And I went from fourth grade special ed to third grade regular ed. And I've been in, this will be my fourth year in, uh, in regular ed. So, yeah. And I love it. Are you in an inclusion class now then? Or is it uh, just... So, yeah, the, when I started in our district... It was complete pullout. So the entire language arts period, if a child had an IEP for language arts, it was reading, writing, the whole bit, the, the entire language arts period, which was like two hours a day, the, the kids would come to my classroom. Same thing for math. If they had an IEP for math, uh, then they'd come to my classroom for math. And, um, and I really loved it because they were my kids and I, welcomed them in my classroom they were they, we were a a team in my classroom when they were there with me um but over the last well so then the director of our um the director of special ed in our district um has since retired and that model uh as much as i actually loved it when i was teaching it that model is really um you know kind of something of the past so the new director came in and and it's it's a transition for sure. It's not something that went overnight and um, suddenly yeah. these kids were pulled out for two hours are now, you know, back in the classroom and, and without any support. Um, it depending and obviously it's an individual education plan. So um, depending on the child and the child's needs, we decide whether or not the child's going to be pulled out for the entire time 
or for part of the time or to stay in the room the entire time in the, in the regular yeah. room. Um, and so, uh, you know, yeah, I guess it, it depends and, um, on the kid and, um, and on the teachers. So we have, we have a big school. Um, our, our third grade has nine regular ed teachers and one learning support teacher. And she, because it's so large, she has to support, you know, a, a wide, her caseload is still the same, but a wide variety of, of classrooms. So what we've done is we've cut the group, the, the team into two, so that only five of the classrooms that she really has to focus on, all of the learning support students are gonna be in those, those five. And my class is one of the five. So, okay. yeah, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. That's That sounds like a huge school, which is really interesting to me because we have about 500 students in my whole high school. So it's a really, really small. Um, I, yeah, we have um, over, I think we just topped over 800 in uh, second, third, fourth, fifth, four grade levels. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's wild. Um, so let me ask you this. So our, our topic that we talked about was this idea of building community in the classroom. And, and my, so my first question is one, why is that important to you? And two, how, how do you go about doing that? Like from jump, like right from the beginning of the year? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Because that kind of was glitchy. Sure. So uh, the brief version is, why do you think classroom community is important? And how do you introduce that into your classroom in the beginning of the year? So um, I think you said, why is it important to me? I, I, I'm not sure if that's what you said. So actually, it's because I was a special ed teacher. Um, I think that's why it is something that's, that's so important to me. Because I saw kids who were um, you know, disenfranchised by the system. So, in other words, you know, they they have a homeroom. They you know they're assigned to a homeroom and they're in that room. And if a child has an IEP for language arts and for math, those are the two biggest chunks of the day. You know, the science yeah. and social studies in our school generally takes place during the same time. So in other words, Monday, Wednesday, Friday might be science, Tuesday, Thursday might be social studies during that same block, 45 minutes. Yeah. Then they have special, then they have um, lunch and recess together. But the, the bulk of their learning time is taking place out of their homeroom. And so I saw these kids and like I said, when they came to my room, that was I felt like that was my job was to make sure that they felt included because I saw, and especially with fourth graders, they're old enough to recognize when they're being excluded. And it's not that there's anybody is purposefully excluding them. It's just yeah. a reality of their education. They needed the extra support. And so that's really where it all started from for me was to make sure that these kids felt like they were part of something, that they were part of a community, a classroom community. And I've just, you know, sort of taken that with me into the regular ed classroom um, yeah. because yeah. again, those kids are still with me. And I feel like regardless of what uh, a, any kid's needs are, um, they need to feel like they're part of something. And, and I guess I, I have um, a little bit of a, a soft spot for the kids who struggle um, because I taught them for eight years and saw 
that it, it's not just so simple as saying, um, you know, oh, they need it repeated. I mean, they, they need so many different things. And I wanted to make sure that I gave that to them. And so I feel like that helps me as a regular ed teacher to know, you know, understand that background. Um, you know, especially with kids like, I remember, you know, having some kids who socially are, are strong. They have good social networks, good friends, a group of friends, maybe into sports and a reading disability, you know, when they come to class makes them feel different. And so, you know, I, I, regardless of what their needs are, I want to make sure that they feel like they're a part of something. Um, yeah. And, you know, and I also feel like it's not something classroom community community, I think is, is very common. I think, I think teachers understand the importance of it. Um, I think what I try to stress is that it doesn't just happen the first two weeks of school. You don't just do the getting to know you activities and the icebreakers, and then you move on and you, you know, you teach. And, um, and I think, you know, I think what's important too is that a lot of teachers um, may not realize that they're doing it all year long when they do things like class meeting. That's something that, you know, absolutely builds classroom community, but it's something that does need to continue, you know, the entire year not just you yeah. know at the beginning of the year when everybody's getting to know everybody yeah it, it's you know for me it was uh remember high school i went to a high school where i didn't know anyone that first day at lunch walking out with my tray at lunchtime and thinking i have nowhere to sit like i don't know anyone that i could sit with and i so i looked for the biggest, toughest looking table in the lunchroom. And that's where I went and sat. Cause I thought if I can like sit, like no one's going to mess with me. Cause I'm sitting with, you know, guys look like yours. And so that's, that's kind of like how I pulled it off. And then when I became a high school teacher, I just, that always stayed with me. And I thought, well, I'm going to create a space in my, um, during lunch that anyone can show up and eat lunch in my room with me. And they don't have to talk to me. They don't have to hang out we don't have to have a conversation you can if you want but if you're just like lay low and have a safe space to like you know play on your phone or listen to music or put your head down or do your home whatever that space exists that became a before school space and then an after school space and then uh during the day sometimes i'll get like straggled that come in that are like, I can't do this today, and this really awful thing's going on, but I need to be in school. And so I'll text inception. Like I don't, I don't know what you're doing in, in class, and you know, and that's that's very rare also. But it's like if someone is, I had students last year who uh, their parents were going through something very difficult, and it was this for him to be in school every day. So every once in a while, yeah, man, you can take a period and, and just be in here, but like. Uh, I think creating that safe space is huge and it's, it's so important because the students come to school with so much and, and because kids can be so mean that I, you need to have one of those places in your school. And I mean, luckily your students have you all day, right? Like, like you don't, your kids don't switch right. out. Yes. Right. During your yep. day. So, and, and even greater incentive. I mean, I see my guys for 50 minutes for my period. And then if they choose to come in during lunch, that's usually like, 
at least 30 kids in with me eating. I, sometimes we have to, I have to stop letting kids in, um, but I pick and choose. I pick and choose the ones I'm like, you really need. And this guy right. just wants to come in here because right. there's 30 dudes to hang out with and he wants to just, and he likes it because um, he wants to talk about Game of Thrones or something like that with me. But uh, so what's something that you would tell someone who is just starting out teaching or that has never really thought about creating like a classroom, like like building relationships. Um, what, what advice would you give them starting out, do you think? I think, um, you know, the eight years that I, yeah, the eight years that I taught special ed, I think were invaluable, you know, gave me an invaluable experience. And it's kind of hard to, to just sum that all up and say, you know, this is what you need to know. But it is something though that I do stress is because you, you mentioned um, the word safe, you know, for, for kids to feel safe. And, and that can mean something different, you know, depending on the population that you're teaching and, and even within that population, each individual kid. Um, but from my perspective, from my background of teaching special ed, what I think of is um, the, sa the, the, the safety that they feel socially, you know, and it's different. Fourth graders are way different than high schoolers, but in the end, we're all human beings and we want to belong. That's that's a, without a doubt, a need that we all feel. And so one of the things that what I've recognized is that if a kid is struggling academically, he's not going to take the same academic risks that a kid who, you know, the work is coming much easier to. Yeah. Um, and and, and what happens when he doesn't take those risks is that his own education, you know, he's losing out on his own education by not, you know, and it could be something as simple as raising his hand to answer a question or, um, you know, volunteering to, to lead his group or, uh, you know, ten, those kids tend to, to shrink back. And although, you know, listening is certainly one way of learning it's not the only way and um and i feel like without being able to take without feeling comfortable enough and safe enough to take the academic risk you know that's where these kids lose out and that's the thing that i i stress to any new teacher is to to recognize i mean let's face it i was uh i was in my 30s when i started teaching and I had kids who were in elementary school, but because my own kids didn't struggle, I didn't know the the vast you know difference differences that kids had when they came into the classroom. I mean, sure. I just sort of assumed that all kindergartners knew their letters and their numbers and were you know beginning to learn sight words and all of that because my girls came in with that understanding. And so when I brought it up in class one day, and I remember this, and my teacher was, you know, at, at in college, and he was like, "You have no idea, you have no clue," and and I get, I didn't, and that's the thing. Like without that experience, you, it's really hard to to comprehend the the vast differences that some of these kids have, and you know, with kids with learning differences, um, you know, it's hard to articulate because it's so different for everybody. You know, I mean, I can kind of lump two groups, you know, that for reading difficulties, the kids who have comprehension difficulties and the kids who have decoding difficulties. 
but it's not even that simple. You know, it's it can be so much more complex than that. So um, that's where my, you know, the, the heart of, of, that's where the unique classroom came from, actually. When I was teaching learning support, I was seeking out others, other learning support teachers like me who were, um, you know, just to, just to collaborate, just to talk. Uh, and I didn't find anything. And so I started the unique classroom, started blogging um, with the intent of reaching out to others who might be in the same boat as me because, you know, to teach that population of kids is so unique. And, um, you know, and so that's really where my, my philosophy has come from, um, to teach them where they are versus, you know, to go in with this idea that, they're all going to do this activity or this task yeah. and they're all going to succeed because I'm a really good teacher. Well, sometimes it has nothing to do with me sometimes. And, and when I go into a classroom, there are kids that are going to learn despite anything that I do. When I get up there, they're going to come in and they're going to absorb it all and they're going to, they're going to learn. But it's those kids that come in with that the guard up with that wall that you have to kind of, they aren't, there's no reason for them to let you in unless you show them that you care. And it's not as easy as just saying, hey, I care about you. There's so many things that have to happen throughout the school year for them to, to let that guard down. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. And it's so much more work than I, I think you, you ever anticipate it being, right? So like you have... Uh, you know, so and which is why I'm always kind of like pushing this idea of getting to know your students also, because once you know someone, then like the teaching part becomes much easier that if I know who you are and where you come from and what your situation is and why maybe like where some of this um, anger is coming from or this I don't care attitude is coming from, like even and I think that can happen at all schools too right so like for people that don't know that are watching like i teach in like i hate the term inner city but i teach like in inner city philadelphia and uh a lot of my students come with a certain amount of pitch but i find that even the kids that come from like seemingly wonderful homes that have both parents there and they always have food to eat and they have like a lot of those needs are met there can still be some other underlying stuff going on and you know, I don't think that means that you need to counsel every student or find out single, like all the dirt that's going on in their lives. But what you can do is just be that person that, that's consistently there every day, year after year, and caring about those kids. And sometimes that doesn't even, that stuff doesn't even get handled in the year that you have them, which is why I continuously keep up with all my students year after year. And sometimes years later i mean we had a student that came over last night uh that i taught 10 or 11 years ago that called me on her way home from work and was like can you guys meaning my wife and i like are you guys around i had a tough day at work i'm gonna come talk about it and then she came over and we like had drinks at my dining room table and hung out and had dinner together and it was really great but i i think and not that you need to do that like i couldn't possibly do that with i have like thousands of children at my house at any given time that but but there are there are some and they're generally the kids that I felt like really really needed it 
And those are the ones that I make sure that I'm keeping up with because it's so important. Um, and, because and even the, like you said, the, the, um, you know, how you, each child, what they need is different. Yeah. And so I'm thinking of a student that I had just this past year who, um, his, his whole history, um, from birth is, you know, complicated. And his parents were open about it. They shared with me um, that he was adopted and, and the um, circumstances under which he was adopted. Um, and so, you know, I, it was good for me to have that background um, to meet them, to, to understand my student better. Um, and so I think the other thing is that people think that, you know, classroom community is all about having fun and opening up with your feelings and, um, you know, doing those kinds of things, although absolutely those that has a place, but um, my husband just peeked in. Um, but the student that I had last year, he needed, he needed consistency, you know, and, and people, I don't think people realize that structure can be something that, that kids seek out and that makes them feel safe. So having procedures in place and having a schedule and um, and not changing it on a whim, or at least giving kids, you know, certain kids a heads up beforehand. Um, and when I say kids with special needs, I don't even mean the kids on the spectrum. I mean, these are kids who just, who, you know, like you said, might not have that support at home or that structure at home, and they seek out that structure. And sometimes their behavior at school um, looks like it's, you know, just bad behavior, but what they're doing is seeking out you to give them the boundary. And so this student that I had needed, he needed boundaries and he needed me to, to really make those boundaries clear for him because otherwise he, he didn't know what to do with himself. He kind of, you know, was, yeah. was at a loss and, you know, and it was as simple as, you know, he would take a water bottle and he would crunch it. It would be empty and he'd crunch it and I'd be trying to ignore it, trying to ignore it. And it would, it would be too much to everybody's now looking at this student crunching his water bottle. And so I just said to him, you, you have a choice. You can either put the water bottle in your backpack or you can hand it to me. And I knew that he didn't want to hand it to me because that's giving up power. I needed him to have some power. And, and that is part of classroom community um, is, you know, allowing kids to feel some control of their environment. And, you know, so nine times out of 10, he's putting it in his backpack or, you know, whatever the other option was on the counter. Um, you know, flexible seating is huge right now. It's a huge trend in, in elementary schools. Yeah. And I yeah. think that that plays into the community. Um, in my classroom, I don't have sign up sheets and, and I don't take control of the flexible seating options. Third grade, I feel like is First and second grade, I can't speak to because they're younger. But with my third grade, they come into my room and they look at me like, you're going to let me choose where I sit? And I'm, I'm like, yeah, you know, as long as you, you know, we go over the rules ahead of time and we talk about it. As long as you follow, you know, the, 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 the rules for, for the flexible seating, you can make that choice, you know, and, and I give them the, I make it known that I trust them. And that in turn, hopefully allows them to trust me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, 
Huge. I, you know, I think uh, even in terms of, I'm thinking of the student you were talking about in the bottle, where um, like another way that I'll handle something like that is to say, after class, I'll go speak with them and say like, look, I, I get it. Like, I get what we're really doing here, what's behind this. My dog, this is, now my dog wants to bark for no apparent reason. Um, and here goes my wife dragging him in. <laughs> This is our house. It's, it's <laughs> so students like that will just call it out and say, like, I, I get what we're doing. And I want more than anything to give you attention. But I just don't want to give you attention because you're, like, b because of that. Like, let's, let's just, like, you know, um, I'd rather they, I, I'd rather, I don't know. I'd, I'd rather us decide a, a better way to kind of do, do that. Or I've had students before where, like, um, I'll, and I've talked about this show before, but I'll give them a detention and their detention is you have to eat lunch with me for a week now, right? And every day we eat lunch and then nine out of 10 um, or, or in the past, my wife has like made lunch for them and she writes their name on the bag and stuff like that. And I bring that in and that always catches kids off guard. And I'll call home and tell their mom, like, look, this is what happened. They're going to eat lunch with me every day this week. And it's so great. Like every single time I've ever done it, it has never failed because now we're going to sit together. I'm just going to ask you about 9,000 questions about yourself and we're going to find some point on which we connect. There's going to be something, some commonality in our lives and that will bring us closer together. And then most of the time after that week, I rarely have problems with those kids again or it becomes something that we can talk about or that we've, we've created a bond so we can move on from that and it doesn't have to be like little petty kind of nonsense that you're doing in class because you just want the attention or because you want to show off and it's like no like um we're not friends now but like there's an understanding or we've made created something and that goes a really really long way uh in my experience is are those little connections with students and it's like like you know when and at the end of the day it's like when you're when your detention is to eat lunch with a teacher and he's like providing your lunch every day, like it's not so bad. <laughs> a lot of my boys don't eat or they eat like the worst crap. They'll eat like chips and blue oh. soda for lunch. And I'm like, that's not really a lunch. Like mm -hmm. a peanut butter and jelly would be a better option. At right. <laughs> um, do you, so uh, someone is asking, Queen de la Classroom is asking, do you think that choice boards are helpful? Do you have those in your school? What was that? The choice what, board? Do you think choice boards, yeah. Um, so I used to, and I think that there's some value in that. Again, you know, giving kids a choice throughout the day. Um, but I, I, there was one thing about basically what happens is uh, I'm I. I do a uh, what elementary if if you've heard of it um, daily five, uh, which yeah. is also yeah big in elementary. So it it just creates so you're supposed to create centers while the, while you're working with a small group, other kids have to be independent doing something, um, and so you you know and I've done I've done contracts where they have to show me what they've done and I've done. Uh, you know, a poster board, and I've done it on the smart board. I've given, I've tried everything. And I basically said, the most important time in that block 
because we, we now only get about four, half an hour to 45 minutes of guided reading a day, which is crazy, but um, that's all we're allowed. So during that time, for the 20 minutes or so that you're with me, that's the most important time. I basically said the only other thing that I'm expecting you to do when you're not with me is to read, read a book that you have chosen. And again, third grade, this is not first grade where they're, they can't sustain that, you know, that 20 minutes of reading. And my kids are up to chapter books, so they're not going through a ton of books in that 20 minutes. Um, you know, so, so there is that choice there. It doesn't, because we use journeys in our school. And so, um, there's a workbook to go with it and so if they and they need to finish a couple of pages they you know it's totally open so I have um, up on my display I have a mustard list a ketchup list and a pickle list the mustard would be those workbook pages that are assigned for that reading for that story um, the pickle list I'm sorry the ketchup list obviously is catching up to whatever whatever they missed um, and then the pickle list is something that I got from um, Teaching Madness. Um, she's, I found her on Instagram and she came up with a list of things that kids can explore on their own. So we have Chromebooks in our classroom and so they have the okay. ability to, and I give them safe search engines to use on my website. And so they have the ability to search and I give them ideas. I don't say you have to do this. I say, you know, uh, you know, these are a bunch of topics and you could, these are all the things you could do with that topic. And so it's really open-ended because I feel like choice is so important. Um, yeah. But I don't, but the key there is that I don't follow up with it. Um, in other words, it's not a mandate. It's not, it's not something that they get a grade for or they come back and, and I have to, to mark it in any way because I want it to be um, something that they want to do. Um, you know, and if, and if they keep, if, if they choose not to do that, fine. If they are up to date with their work, workbook and they just want to read, I'm all for that too. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's awesome. Um, we, so it's the tough thing about that idea in high school is that I have so little time and so much stuff I need to get through every day that it's like choice is choice comes more into play when there are like when there's a project to do um, or like the, the book that you want to read. So everyone is assigned an independent reading book. And so they get to pick any book that they want and if I have it, I'll order anything for them. But so th those are the ways that we, that there's more choice, but in terms of class, it's like, it's so quick that any time that I've tried to do in the past, like different kids doing different stuff. And I've also been in rooms that were like slightly larger than it, like a coat closet. Um, and so like I had a room one year where I only had five seats deep and I could collect all of my papers on a yardstick that I made a, a giant hand on the end of. So it was like hand on a stick because my room was so small. It looked like I was, doing collection at a Catholic church or something like that. And uh, it was, so it becomes really difficult when your rooms are so combined and you can't kind of move around like that. Uh, Monique Hernandez is asking, I have in the LL class this year and I'm struggling with students learning how to read. Any ideas? I teach third grade. So what, what would you say to that? I mean, that sounds like it would be right up your alley. Grade wise anyway. 
So um, I think she said English language learners. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, we just our, our our ELL teacher just retired. She was phenomenal. Um, so we're we're at a loss this year without her. Um, she, I, the way our district works is we have uh, we we don't have a large ELL population. Um, so I've only had a few kids in my class each year um, who are English language learners. Um, and you know, it really depends. If you have an ELL teacher, that that's my first go-to. That is my my person who I'm gonna, you know, check in with and, and talk with because, and again, I can only speak in my situation. My our former ELL teacher was such an advocate that she was visiting those families um, at their homes and you know wow. making sure that they were signing up for whatever services they needed to support their family. Um, she she was just you know she knew her families wasn't just the kids but the families um, inside and out. And so for me to go to her was an easy you know it was an easy answer because I could you know say to her what do I need what what can I do to help you know my student um, and you know and and so she was good so we have a new teacher this year and I I haven't met her yet I'm, I'm sure she's phenomenal <laughs> um, you know but uh, you know just knowing what we had with our former ELL teacher um, you know that's my 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 advice is to go to that person um, to ask them um, because they usually, you know, in a situation like that, it's, it's, you know, it's something that they, I would hope that they know the families well enough to be able to give that advice. Um, but I would say that, you know, in, in my situations now, the, 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 couple, the few kids that I've had, um, generally by third grade, they have, they have language. They, it's, it's, um, it's, it isn't that they're coming into my room, not speaking English. So I'm not sure how severe, you know, the, the, um, the student we're talking about here, um, you know, how new they are to the language, um, you know, but the other, the other sort of aspect to this is that, um, and what was great about our ELL teacher was that she recognized that a lot of times kids who come in with um, some kind of, you know, with, with English being a second language, they can get confused sometimes with kids with learning or reading disabilities. And so she she was right there to make sure that that wasn't happening because you know the, the last thing you want is for somebody to get identified misidentified, um, you know, and and not get the services that that they need. So, um, you know, so so the that was when I was in special ed. Now that I'm in regular ed, in the past few years, the kids that I've had haven't been that severe. Um, the one that had more difficulty um, three three years ago. Um, you know, I, I looked at him purely as a um, as a reader, as an English language reader, and and targeted the needs just as I would any of the other kids that I had. But again, you know, he wasn't new. You know, he wasn't so new to English. He was just as, as a second language. You know, I think a really good point that you brought up there. Also, that I want to just kind of reemphasize is this idea where we're not just trying to go it alone all the time. I think a lot of teachers um, try to, they, 
you know, the idea of like reaching out for help equals weakness. And it's because they're not putting their focus on the student. And I think if you make everything about the kid, then it has nothing to do with the fact, you know, you're not showing that you don't know how to teach, but there just might be someone who's better suited for that particular student, or they might have a skill that you don't possess or a way of communicating what, what needs to be learned in a different way for that kid. And that can mean everything. And, and I think once we get uh, like the, into the practice of asking for help or looking out for kids in any way that we can, it really suits them. I've had, when I, in, I used to teach in Camden, New Jersey, and I had about half of my students were, were uh, Spanish speaking. Uh, like, so, so most kids were speaking Spanish at home. And I would occasionally get kids that like just showed up from the Dominican Republic like last week and they knew no English at all. And now they're in wow. ninth grade literature with me. And it was like meeting kids where they are. So like we talk about differentiating instructional education, but like really differentiating instruction. So I would get kids like uh, if we were reading the Odyssey, I would try and get kids um, like the Odyssey graphic novel or something like that or if someone on a very low reading level getting them something that was along the same lines that we were but like being really honest with it, saying look this is where we are right now I'm going to meet you right there and we're going to be a hundred percent like clear about like this is the situation we're not going to pretend that it's better than what it is but what I'm going to do is work with you so hard to try and really bring you up and try and get you closer to where where you could be and I, and I, sometimes I think that sort of honesty is, is missed on, on kids where we, we, we try to be, we're so nervous that the kids are going to be so fragile and break if we tell them the truth, or if we're like really clear about what the situation is, where instead of teaching them to like own it and then take it from there and say like, look, we're going to get all the help. I'm going to do every single thing that I can. And that sounds so great that you're that the ELL teacher would like even go to someone's house because I think just that act is showing kids like, like I'm done. Like I am, I'm technically I'm finished for the day, but I'm willing to show up at your house uh, on, on my time and do this. I think that creates that space. Again, we talked about earlier is showing kids like through your actions, what you're willing to do for them to safe place to help them to learn and that is everything. Uh, that question went away. Uh, so I'll do this one first. Um, and I think as parents too, though, you know, as parents, you know, that's a lesson that we learn going through, you know, just parenting is that we don't have all the answers. Yeah. And sometimes we have to say, I'll get back to you on that, you know, or if a situation comes up, I remember a, a situation with my own daughters that I literally was thinking, where's the manual? Cause I have no idea what the right answer is, you know, and, yep. and I hope that I did the right thing. And in the end, you know, it's a small thing now at the time it felt for me, it felt like hu a huge thing. Yep. Um, and if I had somebody to, to go to, I would have reached out to that lifeline. And so at school, I think that because we do have those lifelines and and again, it depends on the school that we work at. It depends on the level that we work at. I mean, in your in your situation, I think you're expected to take on a lot more um, than I am because I do have the ELL teacher to come and, and she she pulls out. She also pushes in. And 
Um, you know, so a good example is our, you know, our, my third grade team, when we talk, we, we're always honest with each other about, you know, what I feel strong at and what I feel I'm actually most weak at. And yeah. so we have one, yeah. one teacher who is, um, she is probably one of the smartest people I know and teaches science, not only thoroughly and accurately, but with such enthusiasm that the kids cannot wait till the next science lesson begins. And all of us are, are signing up and saying, when can my class come to your class? And she does, she'll do that for us and allow us to, you know, list, not listen in, but be a part of that lesson. And, you know, I'm, I'm all for finding somebody else who can help me, you know, rise and be better if I yeah. can. Yeah, that's, it's, it's everything once you get it over. And I think as soon as you start teaching, you need to start practicing and exercising that muscle because it doesn't, the further you go, I think the harder it's going to get if you don't start doing that like from day one. Um, mm -hmm. Alika Sled is asking, does anyone have experience in PL and personalized learning? This is my school's first year incorporating PL. I've never heard of this before. Do you know about this? Personalized, Personalized learning? Personalized learning? I mean, the only thing I'm thinking is if, if it's something like like an IEP only for regular ed kids, but, um, yeah. but I can't speak to it because I'm not familiar with it. Um, so I would say, Alika, if you have like a little bit more information, you could like put that in the question. Um, we might be able to like speak to that because a lot of times in education, I feel like there's, you know, one thing, but we call it like six different names. We just like to rewrap, you know, the same <laughs> sort of PD every year and say, that's something new. It's not the same. Slide is, uh, she's also asking another question is on how to include our self-contained friend in the Jed end population. I mean, you, you talked about this a little bit, but when you taught that inclusion class or, or when you had like the pull class, right? Did you ever, was there any, ever any like work between you and the regular egg class or were there things that you did together on occasion? And, and if so, what did that look like? And if not, what would you yeah. do? So when I first started, it was completely pull out and I was, I was exclusive from the uh, regular ed classrooms and my actually, and if I can even admit this, cause it was 12 years ago, um, my curriculum was different. Um, and some for right reasons. I mean, we use the Wilson reading program, which is a, you have to be certified. I had to go through a year um, program and become certified. Um, and that's for kids with reading, with decoding um, difficulties and weaknesses. And it's a great program and it works, but. Yeah. My wife uh, is freaking out that you're talking about this program. She's like, she loves <laughs> it and she's. Yeah. My, my wife I, like, is. Near and is, dear to my heart. I, yes. I love it because it, it, because it works. Um, so we use that. Uh, but we also, you know, we're using other programs as well. And. Um, I wasn't happy with that. So when the opportunity came with the other programs that we had, when the opportunity came to to um, adopt some some other programs or to do other things, um, I was talking to another regular ed teacher, and he and I had very similar philosophies and felt that these kids should be in the regular ed room. And this was, you know, I was only probably three years into my career at this point. Mm -hmm. um, but 
so excited that a veteran teacher saw the same thing that I did. Um, so I did, I, I pushed in and um, we did a co-teaching model without any training um, and with very little planning, co uh, common planning time. And so it had its struggles. And, you know, I don't recommend that, that you do that because um, as much as philosophically we felt the same, um, there was a lot of hurdles that we didn't anticipate, a lot of obstacles that we came across um, that, yeah, because you know our philosophies might have been the same, but our teaching styles were different, and we didn't realize that until we were then in the same classroom. Um, so now that you know time has passed, uh, we're going back into that. You know, we're not back, but sort of moving towards that uh, model of you know in full inclusion or at least responsible inclusion. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're talking about co-teaching, but none of our teachers have been trained and we all feel that it, it's imperative to have some training. You know, just because I'm a special ed teacher by training doesn't make me a good co-teacher. And so I think the assumption is is that that's the way it would be. But, um, but I think a lot has to go into, um, a lot of planning has to go into that in order for that to be successful. Yeah. So I've and, had you know, experience with it, but. Yeah, I think that's so important. Like, I, I really feel like even to be in that co-teaching, I see that uh, someone on the side is, is saying that co-teaching has to work for both teachers. That's uh, Miss Moosey is saying this. So um, in my school, this there has been a class for the ninth and 10th grade that has been a co-taught class for years and very seldom has it worked because, you know, either someone had there or they the two teachers like didn't gel and it was very hard to find like um like a relationship that worked and so last year I in the so I was given this class right I didn't I didn't ask for this class I was given this class um two years ago I think and I've been through four four five uh co-teachers that have either been fired left um i'm not gonna talk about that and so uh, and like or something has happened and, and they're no longer there and then last year i had my friend uh bethany from back from hawaii because we had this opening and so i sent her an email and i said like look you should come back you should come back from hawaii to philadelphia and you should teach this class with me and she did and came back and it was like night and day it was so exciting to go in every day and know that like the person you're teaching with is is like you in the right ways and different than you in the right ways. so that we were kind of like filling the gap of the other one and we've been planning all summer for all I keep saying this is going to be the greatest year ever and, we, and we've like created a new program and rewritten the curriculum and have come up with new lessons and I, and so i think when you are on the same page as someone else, it's just, I mean, it's, it's the difference between like wanting to show up to work and not wanting to show up really. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, and the kids can only benefit from that yes. union in that way. And it's just, it's the best. I mean, like, even in our situation, because it didn't, you know, like I said, his, his teaching style and mine were different. 
I, I think I grew as a teacher. I know I did just being in his classroom. And um, I, I think that without a doubt, even though it, I don't look at it necessarily as a huge success for me, I do feel like the kids benefited anyway, because now we had, um, you know, two teachers there who were looking at it from, you know, I'll tell you what, you know, being in the regular ed classroom can be overwhelming because when I was in special ed, I had a um, an instructional aide with me all the time. So I always had that uh, extra set of eyes and yeah. another person to, if I wasn't being clear with my students, she'd pipe up and say, oh, Miss, did you mean, you know, and I'd say, oh yeah, that's, that's what I meant. Um, and I didn't realize I wasn't getting my point across or she was just pointing out that maybe somebody might not have understood what I was trying to say. And so I think in, in, at the very least, I wasn't a co-teacher in that situation more than I was, um, you know, just a support for my students. Um, yeah. So I think that they benefited for that from, from that situation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so do you have time for, I mean, we're at an hour and 21 minutes and that a lot of that is because the mishap in the beginning, but um, do you have time for one more question? Because I, I don't want to yeah, keep yeah. you uh, yeah. super late. I know it's, I know it's like I feel back like to we've school kind of gone off the topic, but but it's you know special ed. I, I sort of started out talking about special ed, and I think that's kind of where my focus has been here. And I hope that's yeah. okay. Um, no, no. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I'm here. I, what I'm trying to do, like even with this channel, and like this is good to just reiterate to everyone is like this really gives a chance to give real, like answer questions in real time and like really help people where they're at right now. So I, you know, I'll, I'll go all, all over the place okay. just if that's where, where folks need it. But Monique Hernandez is saying, she said, thank you. And she said, I have one more question. I work at a STEM school. Do you have any cool STEM projects that you've loved? What's your experience with, them? do you get to do that? sort of stuff at your school or, or what's that look like? So we uh, actually this year coming up, um, we have a, uh, our middle school has had a, a maker space, which I know the two are not necessarily the same thing, but um, we, we've had a maker space in our middle school for a couple of years. Um, it's now trickled down. We, I think got a grant. So we have um, a lot of materials, a lot of, um, uh, of things that, that they purchased right at the end of the school year last year. Um, and we went in, we, it's now where our computer lab in our library used to be. They took all those computers out and now that's going to be a makerspace um, with the focus on STEM. Um, so, and it's funny though, because I, I haven't, because I haven't had any formal training in STEM, I was not really sure um, what I was doing. I didn't want to, uh, I didn't really know what to do. And I've, I've purchased things, you know, um, lesson plans and, and that kind of thing, um, sort of dabbled in it. But I just was at a workshop um, recently at uh, Arcadia University. And it was, the. I signed up for it because it was the best. It said, um, I can't remember the formal name for it, but it was about, um, uh, designing paper airplanes. And I thought that's, I do a paper airplane challenge every year, not realizing yeah. that I was doing STEM. You know, that that is STEM. You're giving them a challenge. If, it, you know, and I was giving them, uh, you know, the materials. Um, 
and when and I gave them opportunities to test out their their planes and when that didn't work they could modify it in some way and come back and try it again and um, and you know I didn't realize what I was doing with STEM so STEM is actually a lot simpler than I thought in my head um, so we don't have any kind of formal program for STEM in our in our building um, but I think that that's you know kind of moving towards that so yes. um, so I'm looking forward to that for sure because I had a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's when I, when so the way our school is organized, we have pretty much complete autonomy in our classrooms. We can decide to do whatever we want. I read whatever books I want every year. I, my lessons look however I want them to from week to week or day to day or year to year. But the way that we've laid it out is that uh, like my class doesn't have as much of that because a lot of my, I, what I need from my boys is for them to read for sustained periods of time every single day. And so that takes up 20, sometimes 30 minutes in a class and it leaves very little time for other things to happen. But the science classes and the math, so take two math classes in ninth grade a day and then take a science class also. So that learning is happening in there. But I just think uh, it makes me little jealous sometimes when it's kind of stuff going on because I'm like that I love I would love um but you know at this point I'm not going back to school for science because <laughs> for that but um yeah so Amy I'm really sorry that this got messed up in the beginning but I'm really really glad that you're on I really appreciate it Me too. Uh, especially because your answers are so like it's you're and maybe you know this about yourself maybe you don't but uh, you're just giving stuff that I feel like someone could walk into school tomorrow and say, okay, yeah, I heard last night on the show and like, this is exactly what I'm going to do now. This is how I'm going to like change my class a little bit, or I'm going to, you know, pivot how I was doing something else in class. So I really appreciate that. Well, thank you. I appreciate those kind words. Cause sometimes I feel like I'm saying something that everybody already knows anyway, but it's just something that means a lot to me. So I'll yeah. just keep saying it. I'll tell you. And I think this is important to note, like, Having been doing YouTube, everyone I noticed feels like their life is like, like ah, everyone already knows this, like kind of how you said, or like, this is totally normal, but it's really not. Like when I, I was emailing with someone yesterday who teaches in Israel and found me on YouTube and it's like, lives are so different. Even though we have the same job, like they're teaching uh, ninth grade English in in, in Israel, but it couldn't be any more different is. And that just becomes com wildly interesting. And when all these first year teachers keep contacting me and they're like, classroom management, like, how do you do it? And I'm like, all right, let's take a step back. I might actually have something to offer. Um, and so I'm glad to be able to do it. So, and I'm glad that you came on and did, did the same thing. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, this was a lot of fun. And you obviously make it, you make it, make me feel much more comfortable than I ever could. So thank you. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm here for. So thanks for <laughs> and, being and, on and again. And thank I'll... your wife. I have to thank her too. She was a big I, part in this. <laughs> I will. She's... There she is. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Bye. -bye. Bye. Right. Guys, you can find Amy at the unique classroom um, on Twitter, on on TPT, on Instagram, on her blog, and I'll have all that linked in the uh, description box below after this video posts on, on you now or on YouTube. And on Thursday, I also from Instagram, 
Miss Urban Educator. She's going to be coming on and we're going to be having a conversation about, I'm not sure what yet. Maybe a surprise. It'll be about. So, hey, as always, I'm really sorry that the beginning of this sucked. I really, really appreciate you hanging in there and that working out eventually. So, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. We'll see you on Thursday. Peace. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace.